Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. All right, so we are in our final episode of our series called A Better Way. A Better Way. The great thing about a final episode is that it might be sad that it's ending, but there's always something better coming along after that, which will be starting next week. But today, I'm really excited to share this with you because I think it's one of the most amazing qualities that as human beings, we can model after Jesus. And so the title I have for you this morning is called In Constant Conversation. In Constant Conversation. And as I said, this is the final episode of our series called A Better Way. And we've been looking at the way Jesus lived. Not just the words of Jesus, not just what he says, which is really important because what Jesus has to say is so important and paramount for the direction and quality of our lives. But more than just talking about what Jesus says all the time, we also have to examine how Jesus lived. Because if we can live like Jesus and follow his example in the ways of Jesus, then our lives can be transformed and empowered as well. So there was one thing that Jesus did consistently. He did this without fail. It was constant in his life. No matter what happened, no matter what situation he ended up in, and he faced some challenging situations because, you know, the Roman government, they wanted to get rid of him. His own people, the Jews, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, they really plotted to kill him. So Jesus faced some challenging situations. People talked about him, and then more than just people wanting to get rid of him, there was also a constant demand on Jesus' time and attention. People wanted him to go and and heal people and, and raise the dead and do a whole bunch of other things apart from what he normally did. And so there was a constant demand on Jesus' time. But this one thing Jesus and consistently empowered him to do everything else. And what that one thing is, is prayer. Jesus constantly sought his Father. His priority was to be in his Father's presence. Not just sporadically, not just at opportune times when things were going good, but at every season, at every moment. His custom, if you read the Gospels, when you read Matthew's documentation and Luke and Mark and John as well, they constantly tell us that Jesus withdrew to solitary places to pray. He would get up early in the morning and go off to the mountaintop sometimes and spend time in prayer. He would withdraw from the crowds. He often prayed early in the morning when it was still dark, before even the sun would come up and and sometimes right through the night as well. Prayer formed the foundation of Jesus' ministry. He prayed before making major decisions. If you examine the text, you'll see that Jesus prayed so many times before big decisions. Before he chose his disciples, Jesus spent an inordinate amount of time in prayer. His miraculous power and his glorious relationship with the Father are closely connected to times of prayer. Unity with the Father was both the source and content of his extended prayers. He spent time communicating with God. For us, we often seem confused or unsettled by prayer. 
In fact, if you look at most churches all across the world, the least attended meeting or gathering is often the prayer meeting. And what that tells us is that people don't understand the value and the power of prayer. Because they don't see that this is important in their life. And sometimes we look at prayer as, you know, prayer is just for those who are qualified to prayer. Someone who has a title or a caller, they're the only ones that should be praying because, you know, they have direct access and we don't know about us. We have and might not have the ability to have that same connection. Or we need to have eloquent words. You know, we need to speak like the King James Version. Oh God, thou art beautiful and holy. We think that those words impress people around us and impress God because the more eloquent words we use, the more big words we use, God somehow pays attention to us. And none of that is actually true. Even sometimes we have people that can quote the scriptures, you know. Lamentations says this. And some of us are wondering, is there a book called Lamentations? I don't even know. And it seems like those people can pray for hours and we struggle to pray for 30 seconds. But today, I want to demystify prayer. I want to let you know that this is so important for us as Christ followers. But more than that, it has value in our lives. It brings us value. So, Prayer is basically on this. Prayer is communication with God. And to put it a better way, prayer is conversation with the one who loves you the most. Prayer is just conversation with the one who loves you the most. It's having a conversation with God. It's talking to Him. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be structured, even though it can be. It doesn't have to be patterned, but even though you can follow a pattern. It doesn't have to be religious or something formal. It doesn't, it's not repetitive. It's not repeating the same words over and over. It's not a rehearsal of just repetition. That's not what prayer is. Because imagine if you came home every day and your wife said to you, Honey, how was work? And you say, I got up this morning, I drove my car, I did my work, I came home. You came back the next day, you said, honey, how was work? I got up this morning, I drove my car, I did my work, I came back home. Honey, how was your day? I got up this morning, I drove my car, I came back home, I did my work. Is that what she's asking you? Conversation is describing what happens in your day. Talking about something that's important. It's not repeating the same thing over and over. Because that's not conversation. And so you can literally pray about anything because it's not about repetition, which leads us then to the question is, why don't we pray as we should? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I can guarantee you all of us will be raising our hands when we say sometimes we struggle with prayer. We do. Why don't we pray as often as Jesus prayed? Some of you believe in prayer, but seem to think that your prayer doesn't work the way some other people's prayer work. You prayed about something, and it feels like it's just a useless exercise, and it's a waste of time, because you didn't feel anything, you didn't sense anything, you've been asking for answers, and you didn't get any answers, so it feels like, what's the point of continuing on and saying this thing, because I'm not getting anything out of it. 
But what's amazing is when we look into the life of Jesus, when we examine Jesus, we know that Jesus prayed and he prayed often. And his prayer was effective. So much so that the disciples, they came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now I remind you that these disciples were Jewish men that were grown up in a Jewish household and prayer was part of their culture. So they had been taught to say and talk. But there was something different about the way Jesus prayed that was dramatically different from the way they were praying. And they saw how effective Jesus' prayer was. And so they naturally came to him and said, Jesus, will you teach us how you pray? Because the way we've been doing it seems to be not as effective as what you're doing. So, Lord, teach us how to pray. They noticed that the way Jesus prayed got results. Well, maybe theirs didn't. And you can see this actually unfolding in the Gospels. There's times where Jesus prays for sickness and it's healed. And they come to him and say, we did that, but it didn't work for us. How come it's not working for us, Jesus? And so they said, Jesus... Teach us how to pray. So if we want what Jesus had, we have to pray like Jesus prayed. If you want what Jesus had, then we need to pray like Jesus prayed. So many of us don't, which then raises the question as to why. And so I think there's effectively three reasons why we struggle with prayer to be consistent and effective. This is what I see as our three reasons. Number one, some of us lack focus because we live in a world full of distractions. Our notifications on our phone get beeping every single time. You try to pray, someone texts you. You try to pray, Facebook tells you that someone liked your picture. You try to pray, Instagram tells you there's something important happening on the other side of the world of a person you don't know, you don't know about, but you need to be involved with it. So when we're praying, we're distracted. Our mind, you know, our mind goes off and does things by itself like we talked about last week. You try to concentrate on prayer, it's telling you that there's a dress on sale at Myers that you need to show up at. You know, or... There's an auto part on sale for men, or you need to register for the men's event when you're trying to pray. That's just a hammer, shameful plug, but because it takes a while, you know. <laughs> Sometimes we're distracted and your mind wanders. Other times we get bored because we think, I have to do this. I have to say the same thing. I'm just going to be repetitive. And we get bored. Sometimes you fall asleep. Anyone fall asleep when they're trying to pray? <laughs> some of us get really distracted and so sometimes we lose focus number two some of us lack confidence right so we lose focus some of us lack confidence because we've all seen the prayer warriors come up here and start praying like heaven is coming down right there and then and they just had an encounter with not just one angel but 50 of them and they just stepped off that cloud and came to church this morning. And their prayer is so marvelous, we're like in awe. And we're like, I can't pray like that. And so 
It leads us to a place where we don't have the confidence because they're rattling off scriptures and, and Hezekiah and you know, James and Malachi and all these names and scriptures and numbers and you're like, I didn't even know half those verses existed. And someone says, okay, it's time for you to pray and we're like, um, God bless the meat, now let's eat. <laughs> and we're struggling. Some of us lack focus because we're distracted. Some of us are not confident because we feel like we don't really know what to say and how to go about it. And other people are so much better. So when it comes time for prayer and people are looking around for prayer, you're just putting your head down and saying, don't pick on me, don't pick on me, don't pick on me. (laughs) And number three, some of us lack faith. And this might be a struggle, especially for us Christ followers. And I'm not saying that your faith is low. Our faith is just not at the place where we see other people praying and getting results. And we feel like we've prayed and haven't got any results. Because you prayed for your marriage or your friend's marriage and it fell apart. You prayed for healing for someone. Maybe your mother or grandmother, aunt or uncle, and they didn't get healed. And you've prayed for people that might be addicted to something and they didn't recover. And so you're thinking, well, what's the point? I'm just wasting my time. I'm just wasting my energy. And our faith seems to have lowered in this area. Because prayer might work for the prayer warriors that claim to know God. Prayer might work for my friend, my neighbor, but prayer doesn't seem to work for me. And so our faith kind of erodes away a little bit because we feel like God is not hearing me when I pray. He might be hearing that person, but he's definitely not hearing me. And so I want to unpack this a little bit to understand what prayer is. I want to let you know what prayer isn't. And I said before, prayer is not a formal presentation. It's not something you come up and put together and cross all your T's and dot all your I's and you have to come before God because you have to get your mind right, you get everything right and the right words before you come to Him. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not giving God a wish list where we come to Him and say, God, I want this, I want a new house, I want a new car, I want a new wife, and I want better kids. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not asking God to do what you want. Prayer is not a spiritual vending machine where you can go and put in your thing and say, God, I will do this so you can do this. And we've all had bargains with God, right? In your secret place, you've done it. God, I'm going to make sure I don't use any bad words and you're going to do this for me. I'm going to make sure I show up on Sunday, every Sunday, and you're going to put money in my bank account. We all make those deals. That's not prayer. Prayer is not spiritual negotiation with God. Saying, I'll be more holy and you'll bless me more. It's not a performance to impress people standing next to you. It's not about using words to people go, wow, that's so impressive. It's not to impress others and it's definitely not to impress God. In fact, Jesus teaches us, 
prayer isn't just an action you do. Prayer is a way that you live. It's not something you perform. It's not something you do. It's the way you live. The way Jesus lived was prioritizing the presence of God. Not in a specific location, but realizing that you can be in communication always. Prayer about for Jesus meant having conversation with his heavenly father. Just as much as it is for us. And so he went away from the crowd. He went away from the distractions. He went away from the noise. He went away from them because he wanted to prioritize conversation with his heavenly father. That's why he did it. He knew that his ability to deal with the crowds came from his source, which was alone time in conversation with God. Alone on the mountaintop, Jesus prayed. Alone by the lake, you can see it. And everyone was out there looking for Jesus. Where's Jesus? We can't find Jesus. We got up and we can't find him. But he knew that his ability to be empowered, to do certain things, came from his time alone with God. Mark, who writes one of the Gospels, tells us about an instance. And now, when Mark writes his Gospel... He got this information from Peter because Mark wasn't there with Jesus. He got his information from Peter. So essentially, it's Peter's story. And so Mark documents it, but Peter's the one that's authoring it. And so Peter tells Mark about this incident because it's such an ingrained memory for Peter that he brings it up. And Mark puts it right at the front in his gospel, right in chapter 1, as we would say. And this is what it says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark... Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. That's why Simon's first, because he's telling the story. I and my companions, he tells Mark, went to look for Jesus. Because we got up, getting ready for the day, but we couldn't find Jesus. Where's Jesus? So they went to look for him. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else for, to the nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus says, this is why I'm going to be able to go and do this because I've spent time. I've been refreshed. I've been empowered to go out and do and deal with people. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. The demands on his time was much. Demand on your time is much, right? Work and school and jobs and husbands and wives and kids and all these things. There's so much demand on your time. But we think that us going and doing the stuff will make our life easier. But that's not how Jesus patterned it. Jesus was extremely pulled in every single direction. But he said, I can only go and do this after I've done this. Look at what happens next. Everyone is looking for you. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in synagogues and driving out demons. Where did the power come from? It came from communion with his father. 
Jesus' prayer life flowed into his ministry. It was an extension of what he did. It wasn't an act he did. It was an extension of what he did. And this is why Peter observed this right up front. And he tells Mark, this is what happened early, just at the start. I'm telling you the story, Mark. But this, I want to emphasize this point because we were constantly trying to find Jesus. And whenever we try to look for him, he was off praying, having communion. And then he went out and did all his healings and resurrections and casting out all these things. And he did that because he spent time here. The power just flowed into it. So often we spend so much time praying and not getting results. But Jesus spent more time in prayer and then he cast out in two seconds. Because the power isn't in there trying to do an act. The power comes from God. Prayer is the platform that builds our relationship with God. We talk about our social media platforms to get connected and be an influence, but prayer is the platform that builds our relationships with our Heavenly Father. Because the more communication you would have with someone, the better you get to know them. All of you can testify when you call your girlfriend and boyfriend, or you can tell us this, and you call them up on the phone and say, hello, they already know who it is, right? Do you have to say, hello, it's Larry, your boyfriend calling? No, they automatically know. Why do you think they know? Because you've had conversation and you've developed a relationship. And it's the same thing here. Prayer develops our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Not just so we can understand what God wants from us, but we can recognize His voice when He speaks to us. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way communication. Not just going to him for what we want, but recognizing when he says to us, don't go there, don't do this, I want you to do this, and I want you to go there. It's recognizing when he speaks to us. Some of us, we say, we just don't have time to pray. Because you know what? My day is busy from the moment I wake up to the time I shut my eyes. I'm just busy doing something. There's too much going on in my life. There's so much to do. And I just don't have time to pray. And for those people, I tell you this. You don't have time not to pray. Because like you, all of us have big decisions to make in life. We have to make Sometimes rush decisions, relational stress comes into our life, financial pressure comes into our life, temptations come into our life, complicated decisions about what to do in life, big financial decisions come into life. And we, I, need God's presence and God's voice, especially in those big decisions. I can't do stress alone without His presence. You can't do stress alone without His presence. You can't make huge decisions and fall into traps because you need His advice. You need his direction. The more stress you have means the more time you should devote to communion with God. To be effective in this world is to disconnect from its pressure. And to disconnect from its pressure, we have to connect with the one who can reduce the pressure. The one who can give us peace. The one who can give us clarity. And so the scriptures tell us, that we need to be in this world, but we're not of this world. But we have to deal with the pressures of this world. And to deal with the pressures and all this stuff, we need help. I don't know about you, but I need help. I need God's direction. 
I need His grace. And so, disconnecting from what does not last to connect with the one who does is so vital to our health, our success, and our longevity in how we deal with stress in this world. Eugene Peterson, which I've talked to you about before, he's composed a paraphrase of the Gospels. And I love what he says in the message translation, paraphrasing the words of Jesus. And this is how he puts it in a modern context. He says this, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. There's no frills. You don't have to hide. You don't have to present yourself in a fashion that you're not you. Because he sees all of us for who we really are. There's no need for you to impress God. The focus... Listen to this, this is amazing. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. Now, these are the words of Jesus paraphrased by Eugene Peterson. But essentially what he's saying is Jesus is recommending and telling us like He told His disciples, if you want to have great communication with God, get alone with Him. But you don't have to go to a mountaintop because hey, you don't have time to drive to Mount Bull or whatever. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you could block out the noise, turn off the notifications, put your phone in another room when you want to start communing with God because you know you're going to be distracted by it. Where are you, relation, where are you in relation to what tempts you? Eliminate the distractions by choice intentionally before you start. Because you know it's going to distract you. Turn off the phone. Put it away. Don't let Instagram tell you what to do. Don't let Facebook tell you there's an event you need to attend to. Because we're constantly getting notifications. But be still. This is one way that you can start developing conversation with God. Because here's an important thing. Intimacy is never accidental. Intimacy is never accidental. It is always intentional. Intentional in your marriage, intentional in your relationship, and especially intentional when it comes to God. I remember one of the most impactful times of my life in prayer. And this was when I just started out as a Christ follower. You know, I was starting to get to know God and spending time with Him in prayer. And it's such a memory that's embedded in my brain that I, I won't forget it. It's there for the rest of my life. But I remember I was working at my job and there was a lot of stress and pressure put on me because they had lots of demands. I was working in a retail environment. And in, at the time, I got a job offer. I'm just going to cut the story short. A job offer from another company that says, we're opening up a brand new store and we want you to come and be our manager there because I was the manager of this store. So we're going to give you more money. It's going to be closer to your house going to be great. I went for the interview. Everything went well. I loved them. They loved me. It was amazing. It's like, this is it. Because at that time, I was going through a lot of stress in my current job. They were putting a lot of pressure on me. They're putting a lot of situations on me. Things that I just, and I'm like, I was praying to God, God, get me out of this place. And it's like, God, this is what I'm getting. This is you answering my prayer. But I said, I'm going to pray about this decision because this is a big decision to leave somewhere that, you know, 
I've been for a while and go to a new place. And yes, I'm getting more money. I'm getting everything. But I need you to tell me if this is the right point. I feel like this is what it's supposed to be. I feel like this door is opening up to me. But I need to hear you. So I prayed. And he spoke to me. And he led me to Psalm 32. That time I was reading it in the King James Version. And, and just before the verse that he led me to, there's this word in the text. And because most of you know that the Psalms are actually songs that were composed to sing to God. They were actually songs to sing to God in worship. Before the verse that God spoke to me through is this word called Selah. And if you are a musician, you know that that's not something you actually say. It's just a note to a musician because that says we need you to stop, we need you to pause, and we need you to contemplate. It's a moment of pause to recognize the moment. That's what it means. Be still. Here's the worst singing, but now at this point, we need you to be still and just sense the presence of God. Just sense that. That's what that word meant. So I read that word, and then the verse right after that is what he spoke to me through. And this is what it says from the King James Version, because that's when I read it. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I remember it now. It, it, that memory is still there. And he says, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay. And I said... I don't want to. I'm being honest with you. Because, like, but, 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 more money, better job, closer to home. But that's what he impressed on me, stay. And so I decided to stay. And you know what happened? Things got worse. I got more pressure, I got more upset, I got more antagonistic, and I was really mad at God. Because I'm like, they just moved on and found someone else. They're not going to hold this position forever. And I was stuck here in this job that felt like they unappreciated me. They put all this burden on me, with putting demands on me that was way out of the demands of my contract. And it was just difficult. And I was going through a difficult season. And for six months, this happened. And then, one day, when I was really upset, one of the people that I knew walked in. And she used to be someone I worked with at a previous job or a previous location of the same company. And so she walked in and she's like, we, had, we started getting chatting because we hadn't seen for, for each other for a while. She was one of the head cashiers. I was one of the managers. And so she told me that she got hired to be the head cashier at this new company and store as well. I was like, oh, how's it going? And she says, you know, it, it went fine for a little bit. But what happened was they were planning on opening up this new store. They hired all these people for this new store. But then they didn't get the location and they had to let everyone go. And at that moment, I had to give God thanks. Because I didn't see six months down the road. I was upset because he said no in the moment. But at that time, I was going through tough economic situations and it wasn't so easy to get a job. And if I just left, then I would have been out of a job. But 
God speaks to us in prayer. He guides us. He teaches us and he tells us. And I don't know what tomorrow holds. And you don't know what tomorrow holds. But he does. And he can tell us if we spend time in conversation with him. You may ask, what do I pray about? I tell you, whatever you care about. Whatever is on your heart, whatever it is in your spirit, whatever you are confused about, whatever you are anxious about, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're even thinking about, because it's a conversation with the one who loves you the most, who wants the best for you. So Paul, he was a Christ follower, but he didn't start out that way. He started out actually hating Christians. He didn't want anything to do with them. In fact, he stood around and did some horrible things to Christians. But he had this amazing encounter with Christ, which changed the trajectory of his life. And he is the author of most of our New Testament. Because he speaks from this relationship. And this is what Paul says. Coming from this place of not wanting to know God, but now he comes to this place where he writes to the church in Philippians and he tells them this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Whatever is on your mind, it's already in God's heart. Because you love your kids, if you have kids. And when they're concerned about something, you're concerned, right? It doesn't impact you. It doesn't have any bearing on you. But because they are concerned, you are concerned. And it's the same thing with God. Because you are concerned about something, it concerns Him. It might be something minute. It might be something, you know what, I put the long nail polish on my fingers and it's really bothering me. You can talk to God about that. You can. It's not just, oh, I have this big issue to deal with. You can talk to him about anything. You can talk to him about anything because he is your friend. He is your close friend. If you have questions, you can ask him. If you're mad or you're hurting, you're anxious or frustrated, you can tell him. Pour out your heart to him because it's a love relationship. It's a constant companionship. It's a friendship. I think some of the reasons we struggle to pray is because we relegate God to certain situations and locations. It's like, all right, I'm on church on Sunday and that's where I pray. But then I get to work on Monday where God's not involved there. I'm just going to pray when I get to church on Sunday. Oh, I pray when I'm at home in the morning, but not when I'm driving to work. Because, you know, God's at home. Now I'm leaving him there and I'm going to work here. I'm leaving him at church and then dealing with my life. But here's what I want you to understand. God doesn't want to be part of your life. God wants to be in your entire life. He doesn't want you to check in with him five minutes in the day. And then disconnect him for the rest of the day. 
and then come back later and go, oh, hi, remember me? I know I was off busy doing things, but now I'm back. God is not tied to a specific location. In fact, he wants to let you know that he's with you always. Whether you speak to him or not, he's there. It behooves you, it benefits you to invite him in to every situation. God doesn't get greater from your prayers. God is not impressed and magnified because we worship him. He is already amazingly powerful by himself. He doesn't need you to tell him that. But when you tell him that, it puts your perspective in the right place because you're saying, God, you are powerful and there's no one else as powerful as you. And I need your power for my life. Prayer isn't an action you do. It's the way you live. He wants to be with you always. So Paul, he writes this again in, in Thessalonians. And I'm going to put three versions up on the screen for you. But it all comes from 1 Thessalonians. And this is what it says from the different versions. Never stop praying. From the New Living Translation. The same verse is translated in NIV, pray constantly. In the King James Version, it says, pray without ceasing. This is Paul's advice. Some of you are looking at that and go, that's impossible. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be praying continually. There's no way I'm going to be never stop praying. There's no way I'm going to be praying without ceasing. That's impossible, Paul. Why are you telling me to do this? How can I possibly do this? So prayer is not just getting alone with God. Prayer is also talking to God about everything. And as I said before, you can pray anywhere. You can talk to God when you're in traffic on the way to work. You can talk to God when you're in line at KFC. You can talk to God when you're at the shopping center going through the crowd. You can talk to God when you're in the toilet and in the shower. You can talk to God when someone cut you off and gave you the finger and you don't want to react and say, God, give me grace to love them. You can talk to God when you've lost your keys. You can talk to God when you're running late. You can talk to God when you're about to lose a job and you can talk to God when you get a new job. There's no situation on earth that you cannot have a conversation with him and that's what Paul means pray without ceasing he's not saying run up to a mountaintop disconnect from everyone in life and devote yourself to just talking to God that is not what he's saying he's saying in every situation that you go through in every circumstance no matter how big or small you can talk to God and say God you know what I don't even know what I should eat today but can you help me you can talk to him about anything and that's what builds your communication and relationship because it's having constant conversation and then you'd recognize his voice when you hear it. When you need to come to a crossroads. Whenever you are, wherever you are, you can have a conversation with your heavenly father. Because again, I remind you, it's conversation with the one who loves you the most. Who wants the best for you. So when we pray, prayer is like living in God's presence constantly. It's breathing in God's grace continually. It's hearing God whisper to you all the time. It's enjoying the power of his presence and experiencing the peace that passes all understanding in the middle of the storm. 
Because that's what it is. So prayer isn't getting God to do what you want or we want. Prayer is aligning our wills to His. Prayer is reorientating our lives to the way it's supposed to be. Not saying, God, I want you to do this for me and this for me and give me this and give me that. Prayer is saying, God, help me be what you've created me to be. So I can live a life that is beneficial for me and those around me. Not give me this and give me that. And that's where we mess up because we think God is a cosmic genie that if we rub the box the right way, if we say the right words, if we do the little dance the right way, God's going to be impressed and do something for us. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is conversation with the one, but it's also aligning our hearts with his heart. And that's how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. He said, Pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and let your kingdom come. Anywhere in that place is not God, give me this and give me that. Because here's the secret, God already knows what you need. It's not a surprise to him. Asking him for stuff that you want is different from what you need. Most of us in our culture today have changed the word need to want. What we actually need is not what the same as what we want. We say things like, I need the new iPhone. No, you don't need the new iPhone. You want the new iPhone. I need a new car. No, you don't need a new car. You would want a new car. And we've changed it. And so we put God in a perspective like, you're not doing what I want you to do. But then we don't say it that way. We say, I, you're not doing what I need you to do. And then we get disappointed. But I remind you again, prayer isn't getting God to do what you want. Prayer is aligning our wills to His. And when we do that, there'll be times where we are convicted of our wrongdoing. We don't like saying this word in church, but it's the word sin. We get convicted when we sin because we're doing something that's not in alignment with His will. And His presence lets us know. Not disparagingly, not in a hateful way, but in a loving way. We also get comforted in our trials. We know His direction. We overcome hurt and pain and help forgive. And we can rejoice in any situation. Because if you read Paul's letters, he said this in another place. He said, rejoice always, which is kind of similar to pray always. And you're thinking, Paul, I can't rejoice always. But he's asking you to do something that you're not incapable of doing. He said, rejoice because you can have joy even in the most painful situations of your life. Because joy is not an emotion, it's a state of being. So maybe you've always felt like a prayer failure. You know, I'm not able to pray like that person. I feel like I can start and sometimes the words don't come. But I want to set you free from that. You're not a prayer failure because all of us can pray. 
is just having conversations. You can have sometimes long conversations with God, and sometimes you can have short ones. You can be like, God, I need your help right now, is a prayer. Or you can sit, sit there for an hour saying, God, I need some direction. But all of it is conversation. And you can do it anywhere, and you should do it everywhere. The more time you spend with him, your intimacy will grow and your prayer will mature. When you get in the habit of consulting him in everything, you'll find yourself looking for him in all things. When you get in the habit of consulting him in everything, you'll find every situation that comes in your life, you'll want his input because you'll miss his voice. So that's why Paul says, Never stop praying. From the time you wake up in the morning, let your thoughts be focused on him and say, God, I just woke up, but bless my day. Help me to this day. I don't know what I'm going to face, but I know there's going to be some challenging situations. Just help me through. You can do it when you're at work, when you have a tough project. You can do it when you're driving. You can do it when you're cooking. You can do it all times before you go to bed. So if you're suffering from prayer guilt, I want to set you free from that because prayer is not some complicated ritual that's reserved for exclusive people. It's for all of us to do whenever we feel like it, and we should do it all the time, communicating with the Father who loves us the most. Now here's what John writes, and we're going to finish off with this. John and Paul again. John is one of Jesus' disciples. He's perhaps one of the youngest disciples that Jesus had. He was still a teenager when he decided to follow Jesus. But much later, he's writing again to the church, and this is what he says about his time with God and his understanding of who God is in his time with Jesus. This is what he says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. We have confidence. This is the confidence we have, he says, that when we approach God, we ask according to his will, he hears us. He hears you. He hears your pain. He hears your heartache. He, know, he knows your tough situations. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to struggle with it and bear the burden with it. Talk to him. Paul, again, Paul the apostle, he also says something very similar, writing to the Philippian church again. This is what he says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then, when you do this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. According to Paul, the reason why our hearts are anxious and our minds are not at ease is because we haven't taken our concerns, our requests, our issues to God. We've tried to carry them on our own. We've tried to hold them by ourselves. We've tried to burden ourselves with all of these things that we're not meant to carry. And so Paul says, bring it to God. Your concern, your worry, 
your stress, your anxiousness, that situation you're thinking about, that job you're worrying about, whatever the issue is, is nothing that you can't bring to your Heavenly Father. Bring it all to God. So prayer isn't just an action you do. Prayer is the way you live. It's not something you do at one occasion. It's what you do all the time. Constantly talking to Father. So as we close, I have two questions for you. And then we're going to invite you to join us in prayer. Question one. How can you start a genuine habit of talking to God? What has been distracting you? What has been pulling your attention away? Because Paul says, in everything, in every situation, every circumstance, bring it to God. So, is the phone distracting you? Are people calling you? Learn to put things in perspective. As Jesus did, he went away because he knew the demands on him at that time. If he was in the crowd, if he was in the city, he'd never get intimacy with the Father. So he made a choice to withdraw for a little bit so he can do this. We can live effective lives. We can live powerful lives. We can live transforming lives when we are empowered by the Father. But most of us are running on empty because we're trying to do it ourselves. Because we haven't spent that intimate time with our Heavenly Father. And so we struggle to deal with stress and situations because we're not full of His grace. We're not full of His intimacy. We're not full of His peace. And so when we have an absence of peace, you're going to be upset. You're going to freak out. You're going to yell. You're going to say things that you didn't want to say. Because you're not dealing from a place of peace. You're dealing from a place of anxiety. And you will say things and do things that are not necessarily even in your character, but because you're under pressure. So how can you start building a genuine relationship? And I'm not again telling you, you know what, tomorrow you're going to spend an hour. You're going to cut off everyone and just say, I'm going to spend an hour. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, start now by having a conversation with him. And start having conversations wherever you are. Before you walk in a room, talk to him. Before you have a conversation, talk to him. Before you make a decision to do anything or buy anything, talk to him. Just invite him in. And at first you might not sense, but as you do it, it's going to grow and you'll be able to hear. So how can you start a genuine habit of talking to God? Number two, what has stopped you from developing consistent conversations with Him? This is some behaviors that we have put in our life or allowed to happen that you need to examine for your life and see what has distracted you. Is it people? Is it situations? Is it past pain? Is it hurts? Is it disappointments? You felt you haven't got answers. What has stopped you from trying to develop this consistent habit and conversation with him? Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.